Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon. Well, it's high noon in a couple of minutes um, on Wednesday, and it's time for Life with Gwen, conversation about all the things in our lives and our homes. And today, the reason we're late and we're betting that you might be late is that we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. You could call the turkey hotline or you could call the government, but we thought it would be better if you could call someone local. So we uh, asked, and very kindly he agreed, we asked the Daniel Webster Inn executive chef, Steve Chausset. Hey, Steve. Hey, Gwen. How Welcome. are you? Good to see you. So, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming. And it certainly is a... Um, um, not difficult time, but a crazy time, and as we all get ready for Thanksgiving. So if you guys have any last-minute questions, Steve's making dinner for a 1,000 tomorrow with, um, with his crew, of course, and uh, we're kind of figuring he could answer questions about making dinner for 10. So one of the things you told me was that, that when companies out there and seeing all those Thanksgiving plates, they want to know how many, like how many turkeys for a 1,000 oh. servings. And you do this because you're a graduate of Johnson Wales. Johnson you do Wales, the whole correct. yield. Yeah, it's it's really important to know what your end product weight is going to be. Um, that's where you won't run into trouble that way. That involves a series of uh, tests that we do to get a ratios and such. And so you know that you're ordering what you need uh, or as close to mm -hmm. what you need as possible. So, so you, um, you do the shopping and, and we, the planning. I'm the, and I'm the math guy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, we place the orders, and then from there it goes into prep for days and days and days. And, um, you know, like they say, many hands make light work. There's an awful lot of people over there uh, doing a great job pulling it all together, and hopefully we'll get it in under the wire. Well, it's funny because I, I think the um, administrators at the inn, which has been serving sandwich for uh, at least uh, to provide boarding for, for more than 300 years. It's like mm -hmm. the oldest uh, inn in the oldest town, and... and um, I think they were a little nervous for uh, to let you go off site, you know, sort of like asking me, you're going to return them, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I was all for it, you know, after our first conversation. And then I came to realize, wait a second, there's a little bit more involved in that. Um, so, yeah, they wanted to make sure that we had, you know, everything, all of our all of our turkeys lined up in a row for success. And, you know, there's still a good amount of work to do, but... Um, Happy to be here. We won't keep you very long, but wow. uh, we think it will be very helpful if anyone has questions. And you know what? I think we can start with a couple of tips that you were telling me about that might be helpful. I, I know that we were talking about potatoes. Mm. And first of all, here is a turkey dinner from the Daniel Webster Inn. That's heavy. It's a lot of that. I'm going to move it over here so that you can maybe move around and get your okay. potatoes up. Sure. Because this is a tip for making your potatoes tonight and then reheating them, which, you know, that's the big thing with Thanksgiving is you have extra people, you have extra uh, dishes, you know, nobody has this kind of a meal regularly. And uh, and out of that, you know, you, you get crunched up when it's time to make everything come out hot. Absolutely. It's all about timing. You know, um, we're talking about, uh, basic foods um, done um, in a very basic way, but prep is what's most important with this food. So whatever you can do to get ahead um, and whatever you can do to get ahead, and if there are any tricks or industry tricks that you can use uh, that doesn't don't compromise safety or integrity of the product, then, hey, all for it. So we come up with a way of uh, dealing with those dreaded mashed potatoes. Uh, mashed potatoes can be... Uh, 
dangerous in so many different ways for production uh, lumps. Um, what this does, this, this makes it practical so that you can get the product you want, not in the moment, but get the product you want, nail it, and then just reheat it and serve it and be proud of it. Excellent. Um, you want so, to walk us? Yeah. So what we have done, basically. Not everyone travels with potatoes, but well, uh, Chef you know, Steve does. Any way you can get ahead and save some counter space at home um, in some pots and pans. And who wants to do all those dishes all in one day? I certainly don't. Um, so what we've done is we've just made our mashed potatoes. Um, we cooled them overnight in a traditional casserole dish. Um, so boiled? Yeah, boiled, mm -hmm. boiled um, to 185 degrees. That's the actual temperature of a and perfect mashed about, potato to yes, release because. the starch. So to keep the starches inside and um, so that those starches evenly mix and make a nice creamy product. Right. So. You don't want your water to turn that sort of cloudy white because that means you're losing starch, right? And you're losing the potato. The potato's coming off like it's yeah. being sandblasted on the outside. Okay. All those granules are coming off and, and being absorbed in the water. And so That's you, not going to go into your final product. are peeled potatoes. These are peeled Yukon Gold potatoes, um, boiled uh, to 185 degrees, uh, internal temperature, um, and then we cream them with um, soft butter, soft whole butter, and uh, in this case, warmed buttermilk. Oh, that um, good. You want to add your um, butter soft, mm -hmm. but whole. You don't want to melt your butter. Okay. Yeah, uh, but and you want to um, heat your cream. So remember, butter warm or room temperature, cream hot. Okay, and we're doing all this the night before. The night before. Okay, night and before. are you mashing them at that point? We're going to put them in a KitchenAid. Um, and we're going to use um, a whip attachment. All right. And, and if gonna, you don't have a KitchenAid, what's the alternative? Um, you can use a hand masher. Mm -hmm. um, and a great product to use, if that's the case, is a ricer or a food mill. That oh, will okay. take out all your imperfections, any of the skins you might have missed, any eyes and such, or uh, uh, any lumps in particular. So you're going to have lumpier, lumpier mashed potatoes. But a food mill is a great product to use. Okay. Great. We use them all the time. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to cook our potatoes, let them cool, and then we're going to take some plastic wrap, mm -hmm. just one sheet of plastic wrap, cooled potatoes, remember, already cooked, mashed, creamed, just the way you want them. Okay. And we're going to take our potatoes out, believe it or not, and we're okay. going to make nice potato pillows. Nice potato pillows. Uh, okay. And we're going to form it like you're forming a meatloaf, okay? Um, of course, this can be done in a larger, um, larger amounts if you're feeding more people. I'm going to do a small batch because of our space, uh, spatial restrictions yes. here and such. Uh, you don't want to lose your potatoes off the edge of the table. No, 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 no. Those are really important. And all we're going to do is we're going to um, fold, these, fold this, um, this plastic wrap over these just once. That's it. And you're making a perfect little little pillow. Almost like dough. Yeah, like dough. Mm -hmm. or making like a square meatloaf. Okay. Wrap it once. Only one sheet of plastic. And I'm okay. going to show you why. This is going to go in a 250-degree oven for about an hour. Plastic? The plastic and all. Good question. This stuff's great. You can cook it. Cook in it, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a yeah. question. That was an exclamation. It is plastic, um, yeah. It, is it any particular like professional grade? Food, food or? grade plastic. I mean, um, like most saran people, wrap? Yeah, most people call it saran, which yeah. is a brand name, but most mm -hmm. people call it saran or cling wrap or whatever you can find in, in your store. Those will hold these temperatures. As a matter of fact, um, 
you'll see a lot of places when they reheat a lot of products in commercial kitchens will use plastic wrap before they put the foil down if they're working with acidic foods, say tomato sauce and such, to, to, um, to put a barrier in between the chemical reaction between acids and aluminum. Oh, but anyways, that's, that's, a, that's another thing entirely. So again, we have our potatoes now um, in a 250-degree oven for about an hour. Um, now, be before you put them that package in, in the oven, do you put it on a cookie tray or on cookie a... Cookie is fine. Oh, okay. A sheet tray is fine. So you don't want that right on your, your oven grids? No, no, no. no. Okay. Good question. They are kind of difficult to... You've got to be careful when you're pulling them out. Uh, make sure you're wearing gloves. Uh, obviously, for, as in, for insulation, and just be careful to you know to hold them on, on each end because mm -hmm. they're a little delicate when they come out. Yes, um, I'm here so. to ask all the questions that you know the answers to by muscle memory. So, really, but the rest you know, of us haven't done it. You know, so. it really is, and and because of that, we don't often think that way. Mm -hmm. It's just it, things become habitual and things become. So we don't think the same way you do. Okay, anymore. so. When you're doing this, do you do a lot at one time, or do, do you sort of you do? Okay, that's 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 an interesting. I'm 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 glad you brought that point up. Um, in the event that you ask a restaurant for recipes, mm -hmm. you have to understand that they're making things in batches. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's not always easy to convert a recipe downsized. So, um, but we do everything in large batches mostly. Well, when you're going to serve, you know, 1,100 people, I don't. There's not much of a choice. Oh, it's up to 1100 Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, so anyways, so now what we have is our end product. We have warm mashed potatoes, our little pouch, our okay. little package, mm -hmm. out of the oven, okay? Now here's where it gets cool. Yep. All right? Yep. Nice, fluffy, just just like they were yesterday when we cooked them. Okay. All right? We're going to make How sure... How long? About an hour, and we got to make sure... Okay. We've got to make sure that we have an internal temperature of 165 degrees for food safety. Okay. That's where a bi uh, Because of the dairy product? Uh, just because of the safety of reheating a, food, reheating a food that's already been processed. All right, so let's, let's run it down. 250-degree oven with one sheet of plastic on a cookie sheet or something, and, um, and also uh, to, for about an hour. For about an hour. And now we're looking for what degree? Temperature of 165 degrees. Okay. Um, the way you can get that, and what's really cool about this method is that you can just put the stem of the thermometer in there and kind of fold this over. Oh, that's cool. I've never Isn't seen that. that. Cool? Yeah. And I'm using just a standard bi uh, bi um, metallic stem um, biotherm. That most they're, of us are going to have. Yeah, they're yeah. the cheapest ones. I have one like that. Yeah, they're the cheapest ones. They're pretty, pretty reliable. They do take a few minutes to register a true temperature, mm -hmm. but if you're patient, it's a great product. What's great about these is that they can be calibrated over and over and over again. Uh, versus okay. the digital thermometer or something else like that. They're great. The digital thermometers are great, but once they're, in uh, once they're out of calibration, they're not as effective. Okay. Um, so basically, here's the cool part. So you want to have at least one uh, food thermometer in your house. Sure. Maybe two. Um, doing doing a lot of uh, different dishes. You know, two is always good. Yeah. So. Like headlights and I don't or batteries. Think they're very expensive. They're not very expensive. Yeah. You can pick them up anywhere now. Like and that's 10 bucks or less? Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. And that's the greatest thing about, you know, the, the food industry and, and, and the consumers are so close now to having everything that we have commercially. Mm -hmm. uh, everything can be got and every ingredient can be sourced. Uh, it's an exciting time for food, particularly in the home. And so anyways. Well, as a food editor, I know that because people are coming up not only to comment on what they've made, but but also to to tell me about things that, that I should uh, write about, you know, because oh. people are pretty interested. Everybody eats. It's, uh, it's, it's a great, true. It's true. Great Everyone deal. 
Now, so we have All our right. warm potatoes. Are you they, ready? they met the 165, 165 degrees. 165 degrees. Okay. And um, and now I You're going to like this. I'm going to like right. this. Okay. So, so, here comes the exciting part. Okay, Here we have a question coming in, and we'll get to that in just one moment. One second, please. Um, so we're going to take a standard pastry bag, mm -hmm. wax-lined pastry bag, standard star tip. Okay. okay. Star tip. We're going to take this package of potatoes that's hot and cooked and ready for service. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do... You want me to hold something? We're going to just drop this in here like this. Yep. With Plastic the, and all, right? Cool. I think you're crazy. Yeah. Well, um, that wasn't on my resume. I know. All right. Yeah. So um, basically now what we're going to do is we have a wonderful, wonderful potato pouch in here. And you're thinking, how am I going to get that out of here? That's right. That's well, what I'm thinking. Well, you got plastic in there. Plastic on plastic. How's that going to come out? Well, you probably have to like We're going to twist something. it. Oh, okay. So we're going to twist and pop. Oh, my gosh. And look at that. A beautiful rosette. Jason, look at and this. And the greatest thing about this is that that plastic's only going to break where you want it to. So this is nice in line. Your food is safe. It's um, it's it's not going to be cross-contaminated or anything. I mean, it's, it's it's a tremendous product. This is great for dinner parties. This is great for um, Thanksgiving. Of course, when you're using larger, larger, larger amounts and you're feeding more than, you know, 10 people or so, maybe rosettes aren't the way to go. But if you want to have a party. Because of the time? You, yeah. Well, no. Yeah, because of, you know, you yeah. have to pipe everyone. So yeah. I don't know how practical that is. But if well, you're you plating, get somebody to yeah. help in the kitchen. It's that's a nice a big touch. Thing. It looks nice. And it's a great trick for any uh, mashed potato application. Um, Does it work for things like turnip or, or you vegetables? You, you want to stick, unfortunately, you want to stick with things that are pretty starchy. Uh -huh. you know, um, and, and smooth. Yeah, starch, mm -hmm. starchy and smooth. Uh, but that's, That is um, so cool. I know, you really said cool. that some of the customers, some of the diners have been commenting on... Uh, and the uh, rosettes of potatoes that go out with the with the dinner. Yeah, yeah, we serve them on we serve them on quite a few things, uh, uh, a fillet, uh, fillet dishes and such. And you know, there are other ways you can pipe them to look look more like Dutch's potatoes and stuff. But you know, I just wanted to get the basics down. That's Great amazing. Trick. Great and trick. Safe. Um, you're saving. You're, the the other benefit to it is to that you're not compromising the potato again. You made your mashed potatoes the way you want them. You heat them on the stovetop to reheat them. Now you're adding more cream. Right. You're adding more butter. Because they're going to And you're ending up with a yeah. product that it wasn't that you weren't happy with. So this is a great way to keep the product you're happy with. Save some time. Save some space. Save some pots and pans. Sounds good. You know. So that's it. So. Well, I that's do have our, one question about the piping. Um, I know it's getting really popular. I mean, so popular that you can, um, if you are using commercial uh, uh, frosting, you can actually buy it in a, a piping oh, sure. thing. But uh, if you don't have a, a piping bag at, at home, can you use a plastic bag with the corner cut out, or is that not working? You can use a plastic bag with a corner cut out. You can also, um, depending on what you're piping, if it's frosting and such, you can roll up uh, wax paper in a cone. Uh huh. Um, a lot of places, a lot of people do that. A lot of pastry chefs do that. Um, but you can certainly do that. Yeah. And I want to get back because I don't want to miss the the question. Let's see. We have a question from Kim Haskell Stanfield. She wants to know how many pounds of potatoes are you cooking at Daniel Webster oh, Inn? Oh my goodness! How many pounds of potatoes? All right. Ah, uh, last check on that. I I believe we're in the four hundreds, four to five hundred pounds. Four to four to five hundred pounds of Yukon potatoes, and um, she uh, asks another question, which is, what is the safe temperature for processed food reheating? Oh, great question! 
Great question. Um, and we already touched on that um, uh, a little bit. Um, mashed potatoes are considered a reheat leftover. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to make sure the internal temperature for all reheated foods that have been pre-processed or manipulated in a way that they're ready to eat mm -hmm. uh, is cooked to an internal temp temp of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. When we're while we're on that subject, we you know we hit this every year. But how about uh, a quick rundown on the turkey? The turkey itself. Okay, we didn't get into the turkey itself. There's there are there's so many different methods of preparing your turkey for flavor profiles. Um, you hear a lot about brines mm -hmm. and solutions and water solutions. Problem is at home we don't always have that space, do we? And we don't always have a five gallon bucket or a refrigerator that can keep a five gallon bucket. Um, brining's great. But you have to have the space and you have to be super, super careful when you're handling that food with that turkey and pulling it out of your brine. Um, most of your food contamination comes from that brine, water splashing around and stuff like that. So the common question is always, do I rinse my turkey or not? Yes. I don't uh, for two reasons. One, because I don't want all that water splashing around. It's more to clean up. Um, and yes, it, 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 it does it, the job on the, the double sink. It sure does, doesn't it? And the other thing is, too, when you have a turkey that's not been rinsed and not sopping, sopping, sopping wet, uh, flavors adhere much better. Dry yeah. rubs, uh, dry brines, um, salt, pepper, herbs, whatever, they just adhere better, um, and they seem to permeate and, and penetrate quicker. Well, you know, growing up, I was, uh, was taught that you have to, to rinse the turkey. You know, like it was yeah. like a safety thing. Yeah. So that's not true? That's not true. Okay. And then that's the other true. thing um, that... Uh, um, was talk was that that you have to uh, rinse it and you have to cook it until it's almost carbon. My poor mom <laughs> was a, a '50s cook, and and uh, my husband carbon. said the best thing I learned in our marriage was not to cook stuff so much. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, I you know that's a great point. Sometimes it's better to learn what not to do. She was a great cook. I do things. She was a yeah, great cook, yeah, yeah. but uh, but there were many uh, meats and things that I I tried later in life and and found oh that's actually good I do like that oh, so great. Um, yeah. uh, lamb being one of them oh yeah but yeah, sure. uh, overcooked lamb is just, uh, yeah know. no so what no, temperature no. for the turkey and what where are we putting the temperature is going to be 165 degrees again for turkey because we oh, are good. easy we to are, remember yeah it is it is uh, we are handling raw uh, raw poultry. And um, you want an internal temperature of 165 degrees. And it's really, really important where you take these temperatures from. Um, using a temperature uh, thermometer like we showed earlier, you want to pierce um, the thigh. Mm -hmm. Dark meat. Think dark meat um, for a couple reasons. One, it takes longer to cook. Um, two, it's uh, kind of away from, away from the breast and the big carcass. So um, it, it's, it tends to cook, take a little bit longer. And you want to make sure you pierce the thickest part of the thigh and get an accurate reading with 165 degrees. But not near the bone. But don't touch the bone. You know why? Because the bone acts like a heat conductor. Ah. And that's going to heat up faster. So you're not going to get an accurate temperature of the actual meat around it. So you want to make sure that you get, you know, a temperature of the meat and not the bone because the bone's okay. going to heat up first. So, you know, I keep going back because I'm fascinated with this. You can't, yes. like, pipe your, your turn up and and uh you know squash and that kind of thing but yeah. you can heat them in that method right reheat them with the plastic sure sure so because i'm i'm thinking you know in today's paper yep. there's a story about how to maximize uh your oven space as you're trying to get everything to come out on time and you know you don't want to just microwave everything that would save a lot of space if you were using packages laid on a 
That's right. It would, and what you're going to get too from this versus the microwave is that you're going to get even heat distribution. You're going to get an even reheat on this product versus and microwaves. Lose microwave, yeah, and my, yeah, true. That's the other thing. That's a great. Pro I'm glad you brought that up. There are other methods. It's of my doing job. This. Yeah, well, there are other methods and other ways of doing this and reheating, but this keeps the product exactly the way it was. That's great. As intended. Versus putting it in the oven for 350 degrees for two hours and leaving the top off and then putting the top back on and stirring and this and that. So getting back to the turnip and rutabaga, <laughs> if you're a question, uh, much better than... It's, it's easy better, because I couldn't but, answer that question. Go ahead, you answer. It's, what, rutabaga? <laughs> yes. Does anyone spend time with rutabagas? Uh, well, last, last <laughs> week word. we had a, a, a turnip uh, show and... And someone asked me to explain the difference between turnip and rutabaga. What did you tell them? I wasn't sure. I was going to look mean? it up. You're here. Look it up. Oh, no. Did I set myself up? You did. Yeah. So microwave. I'll answer that question. Okay. I'll answer that question in one <laughs> second. Just give me a second about the microwave. Uh, microwave is just uneven, uneven cooking. Um, the, uh, it's just every microwave is different. Right. Uh, and you have to constantly take out, stir. Mm -hmm. um, it is technically an acceptable way to thaw foods. But... There's a lot of manipulation that goes, you know, and, and, and cooking up to temperature, like, for all those reasons. And it'll cook more on the outside than the inside. But anyways, oh, rutabaga and turnip, right? right. So isn't a rutabaga a turnip? I but think it's so, a but turnip it's that's been crossed one, right? with, with, I don't know. Wait, it's a vegetable that's been crossed. It's a cross between a turnip and cabbage. Oh, okay. It's so hybrid. it's got a stronger taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Okay, everybody who was watching last yellow. week. That's the, Anyways, so there you go. Yeah, so. But we were just focused on turnips with the um, Turnip Festival, the 15th Annual Turnip Festival. Love turnips. So, yeah, they, there's uh, recipes in today's paper from the winning, recipe, from the winning recipes at the cook-off. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, one of them was a shepherd's pie that yeah. mixed turnip and, and potatoes as the potato layer. Oh, yeah. But then it used venison, seasoned venison. Ooh, um, as the Yeah, it was really good. I, it was something where I thought – I was the judge there, so oh, I nice. had a chance to do that. And uh, it was something where I thought, this is something you could make at home. You know, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, That's great. Yeah, and uh, from Brian Restaurants, they they did it uh, because Where's it's that? restaurants uh, in East Ham. Okay, it's all restaurants uh, on okay. the Lower Cape that that uh, compete. And yes, there was turnip ice cream again, which Ooh. was okay. Um, but you know, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Wow. Got to come next year. You know, can't get the yeah. ice cream unless you come. Yeah. Well, but you uh, can write me a you can write me a note. Approach you know for today. Yeah, right. You know, but um, um, you know we're not getting a lot of questions, and I think it's because people are probably in the grocery store like I was last night, and um, and trying to uh, get ready for whatever is happening, whether they're bringing something mm -hmm. or. Um, mm -hmm. I have a question. I have a couple of questions for Great. you. Um, if your turkey is still frozen, what should you do? Is there any way to take a, a frozen turkey? I know it probably depends on the size. And yeah. make it ready for t tomorrow. Yeah, um, sure. That won't uh, kill you with botulism. No, no, no. Within, of course, within health code, and of course, within proper sanitation, uh, within proper sanitation. Rather, I'm sorry. Um, the best method is really taking that turkey, and um, obviously overnight in the refrigerator. We're not talking about that. You just asked me in a rush, rush. What can I do? Correct. Mm -hmm. That's the question. Um, run it under water. Okay. Cold right water? out of the faucet. Cold water, seventy degrees or less. Uh, running. It doesn't have to be running um, to fill your septic tank. 
uh, running, not that kind of running, but just you want movement in that water. Um, it's going to create convection. Um, and just like when you create convection to cook, you want to create that convection to thaw. Um, so, and that that's 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 the best way to get it done quickly. You know, like we said earlier, a microwave is technically an acceptable form to thaw, a acceptable way of thawing food. But you know, most people are talking twelve to fifteen pound turkeys. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't really imagine. I'd putting like a turkey. to see that. In it, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what you'd like to see is several years ago we had a. Uh, a page that was readers writing in about their Thanksgiving disasters, and mm. this woman, mm. this this woman uh, had uh, actually it was a couple. They they had been given a frozen turkey the night before, oh, yeah. and they wanted to thaw it. So, and I shudder when I when I tell this story, although it was very funny. They put it in the hot tub. Oh, that's great, and not great. Not, not great. Not great. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. No. Uh, I the turkey goes under the water. You go in the hot tub. It's, uh, <sighs> you know, I, I couldn't That's believe it. They, they ate it. Wow. And, and they're still with us. But, wow. Um, <laughs> That's really something. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a healthy respect for turkey's ability to, uh, you know, go bad and, and then poison you. Yeah, that that's not safe. Don't so. try that. It's just I see the humor in things. Um, but, yeah, so getting back to it, uh, the best, quickest, safest way is run, running it underwater, under uh, cool, cold water. Now, in, can you keep it in the packaging so you're sure. not splashing uh, sure. germs? Sure. Because one thing that we might want to hit on again sure. is uh, cross-contamination. Huge, yeah. pro not problem, but huge issue for you guys. And, and big at home, too. Uh, people don't always know. Yeah, invisible things are tough to manage. Um, and, and it's tough to have controls over those things. Um, the, some of the biggest culprits uh, working at home, obviously, because you're working in limited space and you can't, you don't have the space to designate to, okay, let's say raw prep here, uh, fresh prep here, and this here, you have to be really great about a couple of things. One, uh, the splashing of the juices, right. obviously. And that always, hand, that always goes back to handling. Um, the other thing, kitchen towels. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Kitchen yeah. towels. You put it down. After you wipe the turkey down. You don't know. Oh, is that damp? I'm not sure. Now I don't know what's on there. So I recommend uh, single-use, obviously, disposable towels at home. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to be really, really good about before the food goes into the oven, that's where, where you're at most risk. Um, so cutting surfaces, mm -hmm. preparing surfaces, um, towels, and hands. Um, but going back to the, 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 the turkey and the juice and the water and the brines and all that, it's just you got to be very, very careful because that stuff splashes and you don't know where it ends up. Okay. It could end up, you know, like when you break a glass at home and three, month, three weeks later you're like, how did that get there on the floor? You know, you, you kind of treat water the same way. Um, so anyways, um, if that answered your question. It did. And it did. Uh, I have to say that, you know, for a while there I was using those um, disposable uh, cutting boards that, that, uh, can't remember which company put them out, but you purchase like a package of five or ten, mm. and then I just went to uh, different colors uh, of cutting oh, sure. boards to separate, you know, uh, vegetables smart. and and meat. And, Highly uh, recommended. So, anyway, we. That's smart. So we have five minutes left. Let's oh, no. see what we can tell people. Um, right. What do we want to talk about? Let's talk about gravy because I think gravy is a big question. And uh, our producer Jason was like holding up a thing saying gravy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we uh, we were gonna do this demonstration of pouring the gravy. Decided we'd just spill it, so we did it ahead of time. Yeah. And the gravy's on there. It looks wonderful. Yeah. Um, but how do you? Uh, and you said you were gonna show 
show us how or tell us how to make a good sauce without a roux. So oh, yeah. maybe we could go into sure, spend a little time sure. with that. You know, you guys know a roux is is fat and and starch yeah. and uh, equal parts. Equal parts. Yeah, okay. equal parts of fat and uh, typically flour. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, gluten free could be rice flour, uh, but you know, or there there's, there's so many gluten free flours out there available. I know it's amazing um, but, shopping and stuff. Yeah, it really I felt is. Grateful just walking. I mean, down going the back to what we were talking about on a consumer end now with food, it's just it really is. It's come so so far in such a short amount of time. And it's in the the uh, sort of mainstream markets as well it as sure specialty is. markets. It sure is. So you know you yeah. can find what you need. There were, there so, had to be ten times kinds of flour last night when I was in. Oh the, yeah, you can find local. Market. You know, even even your major even your major companies like King Arthur and such, they're all making them gluten free baking mix now. Yeah. You know, pasta um, flour. <laughs> well, stuff like that. You know, when you're dealing with rice flours, you get textural issues. Okay. You know, obviously because it's granular and it doesn't dissolve like a like a like a like a, a wheat flour would. Um, and then you want to talk about these some of these other flours. These gluten-free flours are very very difficult because you don't know what your flavor profile is going to be. You don't know. You might get a little. It might be too earthy. Um, or based on depending on what flour you're using. You know, or it might just be like if you use a chickpea flour, it might just hit you a little bit. You know, not might not not give you the product you were looking for. So, if you want to do a traditional flour, roux is a great way. So, 50% uh, flour, 50% fat, a kind of fat, typically butter. Um, but you know, some places use duck fat. Some people use, I mean, bacon grease. I so mean, talk water, to me about depending duck. on where you are, right? <laughs> um, but um, we make a traditional gravy. Um, hours and hours and hours of roasting and simmering. Okay. Uh, uh, drums, turkey drums. With meat, the kind you would get at King Richard's Fair. The big I was going to ask you about the those because I mean, yeah. your customers are, are pretty much getting white meat, right? Yeah, they're getting breasts and uh, um, dark meat on, on on request only. Okay. Know, or a mix, they can have a mix. Well, yeah, whatever they want, really. So, um, so getting back to that real quick, uh, we use a traditional uh, roux flour uh, where it's mounted at the end with that um, butter and flour mix, and then it's simmered for a long time to get the lumps out. Uh, and to make sure that flour is cooked out, so the 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 roux is simmered for a long time. Yeah, once it's added yeah. to the product, yeah, you never it's want raw sit. flour. No, it's going to sit. So. so you have to know how much you really need to use. And you know, for home use, that'd be about you know a tablespoon for eight ounces of finished product. Okay. You know, um, and then you're using the turkey juices. And, we're using the uh, juices. We are definitely using the juices. We're making producing a stock extra with, juices yeah. by by doing if you have extra uh, dark meat. Sure, and everything goes back in. Everything goes back into it. Uh, even the, when the finished product comes out cooked safely, uh, we'll we'll add that to the to the gravy for the for the next guest. Mm -hmm. So you know we're fortifying that as we're going and fortifying that as we're going. And it's it almost like having better a, and better and better. You know, a starter in a, in a sourdough Ooh, bread. You know, absolutely. So now you're talking my language. I have to say yeah. that. So, uh, go ahead. One thing, really quick. Yeah. If you want to get away from using all those flours, those gluten-free flours. Uh, and you want a nice consistency of a real roux, um, thicken it with potato starch. So make your, uh, make your stock solution, um, make it as concentrated as you want, nice and brown and roasted, and then take, believe it or not, take an Idaho baking potato, peel the whole thing, put it in a blender after you cut it up and quarter it, uh, skin remove, put it in a blender, add enough water just to cover that potato, and buzz it up. And okay. you'll get a slurry. So you want to get like a puree a setting? A puree. Okay. And you'll get you, a puree setting, and you'll get a nice smooth slurry that looks like, um, well, I don't know, a, a smooth puree. And um, while whisking your stock, 
uh, you can slowly just pour that raw potato puree right into your gravy. This is a great way to right thicken into, uh, soups too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right into your gravy. You're not imparting any flavors that you don't want or not expecting in there from flours mm -hmm. that you're not accustomed to or you don't know what flavor profile they're, they're going to give you. And it gives you uh, a gluten-free way, a gluten-free mm -hmm. gluten option with the consistency of a real traditional gravy. Uh, and it tastes really good too. That sounds great. So. And uh, I, um, there are so many things. I was going to tell you about the year I got an heirloom turkey and accidentally cooked it upside down. Came out great. Oh well, <laughs> sort of. Well, some people, yeah, you know, they don't yeah. have the big breasts like uh, like a domestic turkey. So. Heirloom turkey. Okay. Uh, but right. anyway, and we didn't get even get to stuffing. But we know you guys are busy cooking. Stuffing. And uh, uh, we didn't get too yeah, much. All right, you got thirty seconds on stuffing. Stuffing Go and ahead. gravy. Uh, stuffing and dressing. What's the difference? Sure, do that one. And then the answers in the answers in the question. Uh, stuffing is stuffed, so that's uh, typically put into something to be stuffed. Uh, dressing is to typically the same ingredients, uh, the same. It could be the same mix, but it's cooked on the side. Now, with food safety concerns, I had gotten away over the years from uh, stuffing the bird. Mm -hmm. um, what's your feeling on that? Um, I have uh, two options. One, don't do it, and instead use that cavity on the inside to impart other flavors. Throw thyme, sage, vegetables in there, um, lots of seasoning. Um, and then, and then are they edible afterwards? Yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Okay. That, that's option number one. Option number two is to make your, make your stuffing the way you want it and heat it safely to uh, a safe temperature, which we already talked about. 165. And then, and then, yeah, and then put it in the bird, or at least give it a nice, nice head start. You bring it up to 135 degrees, that stuffing, and then stick it in. And so then you finish. know it gets there. So you know. So yeah. you know it gets there. Um, but that was that's an old school way, and that's mm -hmm. the way it was always done traditionally. But, you know, that, that can be a source of... The source of uh, yeah, I you know I uh, haven't done trouble. this with a turkey, but but uh, when I cook a whole chicken, I stick uh, a half lemon in there because I love the taste of yeah. lemon. Keeps it really moist. Do you ever stick uh, um, pats of butter underneath the skin if you separate the skin from the yes. breast too? Yes, and I do that with a uh, turkey as well. That's a, lot a good of trick. Can do that. Yeah, and, so, then, yep. and you can put your uh, dry rub in there too if you're using it, right? Yep, absolutely. So, you although you might inside. want a little on dry, on yeah, the dry rubs can well. be a little overwhelming. You know, for something is, um, you know, for something like turkey, I, I like to stay with, um, you know, uh, just a, a a dry brine, which is just going to be kosher salt and some some black pepper and stuff. And you can add that from, you know, anywhere from four. You can let that sit on there for anywhere from four hours to twenty four hours in advance. You know, overnight in the fridge, and you know, so. you're all set to go. Well. Okay, so here's I the thing. So. Jason's going to push the button and turn us off if we don't turn ourselves off. So I want to say happy Thanksgiving to all of you. If you don't have time to watch this video, you can go to capecodtimes.com slash lifewithgwenpodcast and push that button, and it'll come through your phone into your car while you're out doing errands. You'll be able to pick up a few tips. Thank you so much. I uh, I think it's always a compliment when you're working with a crew that you can actually leave for a couple of hours and and things are still in control. Yeah, yeah, it's not. This is this has been great. Really, thank you. Thanks for the break. Um, thanks for letting me connect with people. I really appreciate. it. I had a great time. Um, well, thank you, Chef. We really appreciate you coming. Uh, happy Thanksgiving.